You're listening to Work Tape, episode 25. Isaac Grover. With me today is a different co-host. Keith, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, Isaac, it's good to be with you today. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah, my name is Keith Garrett, and it is my joy to be here. So you're a pastor here at the local church in uh, San Jacinto? That's right. And you serve the Hemet area as well? Yes, sir. This is the Hemet San Jacinto Valley, and we have a group of pastors who get together, and we consider this our mission field. So we get together, we pray, and we cooperate together. We're not in competition. We consider this a great mission field. And by mission field, I mean an opportunity to get to know people, to hear from people, and to be of service to people. And how long have you been serving this area? Fairly new. I've only been here about two and a half years. That's cool. Yeah. No, I've been here at least for a year now. So going on a second. We'll see what the second year brings. (laughs) Can't get enough of Hemet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've never heard that before, but I'll take your word for it. Well, my friend calls uh, our co-host, Sean, he calls it Helmet. And <laughs> I always had a, a saying, when in Hemet, wear a helmet for obvious reasons. Sure, sure. <laughs> but some parts of Hemet are beautiful and safe. and uh, Yes, like your house. <laughs> well, no. You know, I find East Hemet to be marvelous. I find East Hemet and up in the Simpson Park area. Beautiful. Uh, homes are appreciating in value. It's a pretty piece of land, regardless of its reputation. Um, and again, there are good and bad places about every place. I can attest to that. I know you can as well. You know, it's funny. After a year here, and it's so surprising to me, I think it was because I was still stuck in Temecula yeah. in my mind. Because Temecula has a pretty booming music scene Okay. for this area. I didn't know that. A lot of it is the, the country western sound. Got it. Um, but when I moved to Hemet, it took me a while to kind of get integrated in the music scene because I was so stuck down in Myriad and Temecula. And so, you know, I got to get to know, you know, Harvard Music. Yeah. Um, those guys are great. And then when I met you, which was probably months after going to Harvard Music. Okay. Yeah, definitely months after. And then you told me, because, you know, you're in Hemet, so of course you can't not know the people at Harvard Music. I was really glad that I met those guys because I had been craving more of a local scene. Yeah. So you're talking about a local music store, music shop. Yes. Kind of like a mom and pop. Yes. Local. Um, not your big guitar center. Yeah. People you kind of really want to support. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, my relationship with them, they want to be in the community. For example, Julio, who runs the shop. He, he avails himself to different businesses or churches. He comes to our church, not as a member, but if I have a need with our soundboard, if I have a problem musically, he'll show up and he'll help us out during the week. Um, I've done a recording up there. Uh, we send some of our kids over there to be trained by Austin, who's a drummer. Um, I've worked there on keys. My wife has worked there with violin when she was taking lessons. So it's, it's, it's like a, a buddy next door, Yeah. right? Hey, can you come help me change my tire? Can you come help me change my oil? They want to be that kind of relationship with us. And we, we take them up on it. It's almost like having family on call, right? No doubt. Yeah. And it helps when you're friendly, you know, it, it, it helps when, when you, I, I can really say 
that we are friendly together. I don't know that we're friends per se, but we're friendly and we want to serve one another. So, yeah. I would definitely view him viewing you as a friend. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 You have that persona about you. Yeah. But with them, um, I'm getting to know them and I find them to be very friendly. So I just want to give them more of my business. That's why I go there. I don't go there every day, but when I do go there, you know, and I get his stickers, I like to tell people about that place. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing against Guitar Center. I go there. I bought, I gave them a lot of business, but if I can support a local business, right? Yeah. And we kind of wash each other's back. Yep. Guitar Center won't come to my church. Not really. No, maybe the individual. You might find some individuals who will do that, but not typically, no. 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 And I don't even think they can because it's a liability for them. And that's not their fault. Yeah. No. So on the topic of stores, uh, what are some of the instruments that you have at home? Yeah. And what do you like to play? And how did you get into music and all of that stuff? Well, so, okay. So instruments at home. Man, I have everything from, I, I, I have harmonicas in every key. I have keyboards, um, had a guitar. It's probably in storage, had a bass, um, drums. I want to do everything. I want to. I was inspired by this little short guy who wore high heels. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, his name is Prince. And this guy—he looks taller, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. like from the camera. Well, he—he he was probably—he was probably five foot four. But I remember being a kid, being a little kid. What's, what's a little kid? Let's say I was uh, eleven. Okay, eleven or twelve, which now that's a little kid to me. And my dad introduced me to his album 1999. Yep, uh, which came out in 1982. And when you read back in those days, you could read the cover, or you could read the back of the sleeve, or you can read the tape. Uh, I remember that album cover. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has a very cosmic look. Yeah. I don't know if you know what a tape is, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there used to be this stage called tape back in my Just day, barely. Boy. No, just barely. I knew what that was. I remember <laughs> yeah. I was at the tail end of the tape era. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I would look at the back of the tape or the back of the record, another archaic term. And it would say something like um, written produced, performed, and, and by, by Prince, mm-hmm. right? Either Prince or the Revolution or Prince. And I thought this dude played every, and arranged by Prince. And this dude play, played every instrument. He would play it all, arrange it all, then bring the band in. And I was so inspired. And the music to me at that time when I was a kid, the music was just mind-blowing, right? So this was the individual that really got into music. No, no, it goes before that. The first song I remember, I was in Chicago. I was born in Chicago. And we left when I was two or three, okay, coming to San Francisco. So I remember being a kid in Chicago, believe it or not, probably age two, listening to the radio. And the song that was on the radio was Don't Mess With Bill by the Marvelettes. The song came out in 1966. I was born in 1970. So by that time, it was an older song, but they were still playing it on the radio, apparently. And don't mess with Bill. And I changed the words to don't mess with daddy. Don't mess with daddy. My dad was right there. And I would sing don't mess with daddy. But I love that Motown sound. I would say Motown got me into music. To make a long story short. That was like uh, reggae for me. Okay. Yeah. Reggae as an infant, like really small before I could speak. Yeah. It be, And it was more subconscious, you know. It was just, it's almost like it's in your blood. You, yeah. you don't really know it's there, but it, 
it, it had influenced me from such an early age. And then by the time, even before 11, yeah. around uh, my kindergarten, I'd say kindergarten years and, and later, yeah. um, I got into uh, drum and bass, you know, the electronica dance kind of sound from the, the mid late 90s, the Moby sound. Yeah. Um, Junkie XL, like that was the stuff that really got me into music. So both of those, and those both catapulted me into, you know, the the CCM '90s uh, Christian rock, yeah, scene yeah, 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 and pop. Well, I mean, if you want to talk that, um, we could totally say that because I know we wanted to talk about, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about our Stephen Curtis Chapman and Switchfoot. We can do that another time. For me, it would be Hillsong, but please go ahead. Yeah, I had my um, I've had my words about them, but. Truth be told, I really was influenced um, by Hillsong and who wasn't because Darlene Chick. Yeah, that was big. And 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 to but be, you would have been. I mean, you would have been a baby back in the mid nineties. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Maranatha. Yeah, sure. I was big on Maranatha they were big. as a kid. That's something I heard a lot too. They were sweeping across the the churches, sweeping across the U.S. But kind of back to your, you know, what instruments you have and kind of your your background. You said Motown was really influential for you? I was, I was two years old. Easy. Because my mom and dad are from that era. The classic, when we say Motown, uh, you know, th- there's the denotative definition of, of Motown, which is it's a record company, right? Formed in 1958 by Barry Gordy Jr. But there, when I there's say, a company and there's a culture and right, there, yeah. Right. And the, and the genre and whatnot, there are these different. So connotatively, Motown for me was the classic era of 19, let's say 1961 to 1971. That was when it was that was yeah. Booming. That was the time. Booming. Mm-hmm. Like so. So when you think of Motown music, even though it's still extant today, there's still a Motown. I think it's owned by who? Sony or Columbia or something. May I humor a thought? Yeah. This is a theory. I could be wrong, but Motown did it not evolve from the doo-wop era. Um. Well. Or it, it has heavy roots in it, right? I'm gonna say church music. I'm gonna say blues. Yeah, of course. Sure, sure. Yeah. If you want to go further, we can go to the blues and then blues into gospel. Barry Gordy himself, Barry Gordy, uh, Smokey Robinson, who was from the local area, they went to blues and jazz clubs to find the best musicians. And they would extract these musicians from the clubs and bring them to um, Studio A, which is what it's called. Okay. And now the museum, but at that time, it was the house that Barry Gordy and his family bought. And they would use these guys to be session musicians. And they later became known as the Funk Brothers. I remember that. Right. But they were session musicians from blues and jazz clubs. I know about Bob Babbitt, um, Carol Kay. James Jamison on the bass. Carol, yeah, yeah. James Jamison, who's he's my 10th favorite bassist. I know I have so many. That's why he's number 10 or, or 9. But he's, he's influential to me. I was so ignorant, you know, thinking that James Jamison played on everything. And thought that he played on Sign, Seal, Delivered, only to find out that Bob Babbitt was most likely the basis for that track. And Jamerson is great, but he's not the only one who... No. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, there's some great bassists out there. Um, Bernard Edwards is one of my favorites. He's in my top 10. Chic is one of my favorite bands. <laughs> I love Chic, man. Chic, like... They had a short window. They had a short window. <laughs> oh, but it was so glorious. They the, came at the end of the of disco. greatest, the, the greatest, in my opinion. I mean, cool is amazing, though. I, I can't discredit cool and I can't discredit um who's that other one? It's from the same era. Oh, yeah. They they did uh the song Disco Inferno. They're pretty cool too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Burn, baby, burn. I can't remember the name of the band. 
I can't think of them right now. Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, uh, but Cool and Chic are pretty, they're just so good. But 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 Chic to me, because Cool was just men, right? Mm-hmm. With Chic, you had the woman, you had the men, yeah. you had, to me, it was like the Whalers. It was just like a color of sounds and it was pop. Like it was pop. But it it didn't feel so restrained by pop. Every now and then, go back and listen to some Earth, Wind, and Fire cuts and listen to the bass lines. Now, of course, the tenor is is killing it. I hear Stevie Wonder. Yes. Um, I hear cool. I hear African rhythms. I hear so much in them. Um, They were so profound to me. Again, I'm a young guy, okay? Mm. Now, I was born in 70, and their heyday was in the early to mid-70s. So I'm a little kid. I'm just this little dude tripping over his own two feet, listening to music, just hearing the sound without even knowing their name. But there's something about the relationship between sound and silence, the rhythmic relationship. And that's how I define music. Right. A a rhythmic relationship between sound and silence, which somehow touches the soul of a person. Now, the beauty is it can make you feel good. The danger is be careful with it because you can find yourself not me or you, but a little girl running across the street trying to just touch the Beatles because you you love them and you worship them because their music makes you feel so happy. So music is is amazingly dangerous and extraordinarily compelling and inspiring. And it, it's it's used to take advantage of the masses. Yes, it is. That's why it's so powerful. A man once said that religion is the opiate of the masses. I think, I think music. Do you feel like you can't detach music from its spiritual roots? You can't? Um, no, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I think music can be used for evil. Well, it has been. But I do think its spiritual root is godly. I'm inclined to agree. And I think it's been detached from that. Yes. Right? I think, and I don't want to get political and I don't want to become an old curmudgeon. It's fine. This is why I wanted to have a second podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. dedicated to that. But because it's music related. I think when music became an opportunity to get rich and famous and make a whole lot of money and have people worship you, I think it became detached. So on top of the worship part, because this is this was the thought I was trying to humor you on. Yeah. Would you not agree that Motown is essentially classic pop? I would agree. That's that's what I thought. Because pop just is short for popular music. Yes. So yeah, but, but, but I mean, to be fair, is pop. right? And and rock is too. I mean, people don't want to agree with it, but it is as well. But when you listen to, especially the fifties, forties, fifties, remember? Okay, so this country founded jazz, or what we call jazz. And even though there are countries with their own version of jazz, America's known for no J A Z Z. No, no question. Right, and and Jay Z, and <laughs> in in talking about that. Um, the, the African-American community, uh, like uh, Scott Joplin, even Jelly Roll Morton from the early 1900s. Sure. Um, these people like ragtime and to blues and then the jazz in the what, 20s? It was kind of established even yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. late 1800s, but definitely the 10s or the 20s. Jazz really was a genre. Yeah. And then by the 30s or 40s. Well, Gershwin, Gershwin was in the 20s and 30s, right? I believe so. And his brother. So yeah. That- For, definitely by the 40s. Even though I love 60s jazz and I like 50s jazz, I almost think of jazz cemented in my mind as a 40s thing. That's just me. And I know it had been around earlier than that. But when I think of jazz, I think of like 40s. And then, you know, kind of blue, 50s. 50s yeah. jazz is oh, yeah. 
you can't take any of it away. I think jazz is still relevant today. Well, there's different. There's even different genres within within jazz. Of course. And I'm not a jazz aficionado. I do love kind of blue. I respect Miles. I'm not a jazz guy, but I. But, but you have to. But but the music you listen to, you cannot understate the influence that jazz has had. Of course. On not. Prince, on Stevie. Well, well, not only that. Okay, Pavarotti. Now I know he's not jazz. Um, Lang Lang, okay, the Chinese pianist. I know he's not jazz. Anyone who gets to a point where they exude music, where music has become a part of them, I, I am absolutely inspired by them because music, as I said before, when I was two years old, Don't Mess With Bill, The Marvelettes, written by Smokey Robinson, produced by Smokey Robinson in 1996, that touched the nerve in me. And not only that, my grandfather was a preacher and he played guitar. Hmm. So when I was in Mississippi at my grandparents' church, um, Church of God in Christ, Beulah Grove, way out in the country, he'd be up, if he wasn't preaching, he was playing the guitar. And I remember his little amp and he'd be, and there'd be someone on the drums and women and men would be dancing and there'd be celebration and music did all that. So a little one-year-old Keith is being so moved by this relationship between sound and silence rhythmically that I, I, I can't, um, I can't discount someone who has, who, who, who gives off, who exudes, who exhales music. And I don't care what genre it is. It can be jazz. It can be classical. It can be, I mean, to this day, if, if I hear a classic journey song, okay, Steve Perry, man, I'll be in the store walking down aisle seven. I have to stop and get closer to the speaker because they did what they did really well. Mm. Right. Now, is classic rock my thing? Not necessarily. I don't think I own a classic rock song, although I, I did buy Journey's Greatest Hits back in the 90s. I, I digress. But they did it well. How can you not appreciate it? At least appreciate it. At least a music person. Now, yes. before this, we were talking about some people don't like music. I think they just haven't found the music that they would like. My humble opinion. But I think in most cases, yes. I, I There's always an exception. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I think generally you're right. I think people who are even known to be so-called not musical, whatever you want to call it, yeah. um, I think they have their genres. They're just not. They're not going to just put on a bunch of playlists and 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 play a bunch of records. Probably like you know you or I or people like us would, and that's fine. Bobby McFerrin makes music with his vocal cords. I remember him with his throat. Okay, he's on stage. He might grab a spoon, a pot. He grabs his voice. And he makes music and he sells tons of, of tickets. It's music. Um, I, I probably won't go see him, but right. I, res I respect what he does. Right. And so music kind of being all in the same, whether it's classical, rock, jazz. And somehow it reaches you on a level much deeper than some other things. Than just talking. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, in December, we did a series called A Season of Psalms in the Psalms in the Bible. And the Psalms were initially songs. Now we don't know the melody. We don't even know the scale, right? We don't, I'm sure they didn't use the major scale or a minor scale. I don't know what scale they used back in those days. So I cannot sing what they sung, but those Psalms were intended to speak God's word to your soul musically, not just to give you information, but to harmonize 
or melodically communicate information to your spirit, which made it compelling and gave you the capacity to be engulfed. Hmm. And so as a child, I'm sure that uh, it just kind of covered you. And, you know, as you got older, you really got more immersed into this music world, right? I remember when, so, so let's fast forward again to me being 11 or 12. Okay. And there was this little guy, forgive me for calling him a little guy, this man, he's, I shouldn't disrespect him that way. He's deceased. Prince Rogers Nelson came out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And of course he hit it big with a few songs, but then when you dug deeper, when you, when you peeled pieces of the onion back, there was this group called the time that he produced. And then there was Jill Jones and then there was Sheila E. And then you, and then you looked at Jelly Bean and then you looked at Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and you kept going, you kept peeling away Des Dickerson, you kept peeling away Andre Simone, you kept peeling away. And you realized there was a community of musicians up in Minneapolis who no one knew about. Minneapolis? Not Detroit, not LA, not Miami, <laughs> not New York, not, not Jamaica, Bob Marley, right? Oh, Kingston, yeah. Right, not, not that. Minneapolis. There was this sound growing and evolving because these kids were being taught music at an early age. And by the time, believe it or not, by the time they were 15, they were proficient enough to be signed to Warner Brothers. Not a small little mom and pop, right? No. W Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, they were so, quick story. Prince is about 16. So, so says the tale. He's 16. Warner Brothers wants to sign him. They said, guess what? We have good news. We think we can get Maurice White, Maurice White, the lead singer of Earth, Wind & Fire, to produce your album. Now, Maurice White at that time was huge. Hmm. Okay? Big. He said to them, ain't nobody producing my album but me. A 16-year-old kid. What makes you think you can produce your own album? Well, because... In Minneapolis, those kids were immersed in music to the point where now they're able to go on tour and produce and write and play, even as teenagers. Man, that that story just blows me away because music can do that. Music can take people in some relatively unknown place and, and make them the next superstars of the world. Make them change the world upside down. What we're doing at New Life is we're attempting to give our young people a sense of how valuable music can be. We've got them piano lessons at the church. We've bought kids keyboards. We have tried to inspire them because I don't want to sound like a cliche, they're the next generation. I, you know that, yeah, but more than that. I want them looking at life and being inspired. And I think the greatest way to inspire a human is to show them Christ. But Christ invented music. So one way to apply that inspiration is to be musical. It's not for everybody. Everyone's not going to fall into that. Not to the same extent. But some people might. Right. So then we, we throw it out there and we see what happens. I don't, I don't view music as water, but I do view it as a, a substance where it has many benefits that even people who aren't that big on so-called water yeah. would really benefit 
with it, you know? And some people want to guzzle it like you and me, but, but some people just kind of want like a few drops. Yeah. But my view, which I think it's the same as yours, is that music, it's inherently spiritual. Yeah. Um, and this is the reason why music is so powerful when we're exposed to it. You know, how it, it honestly is a master manipulator and it can be a good or bad thing. You That's know? a good point. That, that, is a, that is well said, Isaac. A master manipulator. Yeah. Huh. I got to think about that. Can music manipulate us? Oh, definitely. I think it can, but I don't think it. You know, I I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think it I has to. I wouldn't put it past it because I don't really know much about like situations like MK Ultra or a lot of these really traumatic places people have been in. Yeah. But something tells me that music has been used for very nefarious purposes. Uh, no doubt. I, no doubt. No doubt. But. I would say music for sure, even in, in what we consider a casual setting, it's already very influential on our moods and how we feel about something. And I'm definitely guilty of immersing myself in nothing but sadness. And I think some music should be really rated 18 plus because of its effects on the human psyche. It's almost like the internet. You know, it's like handle with caution, you know, um, there have been more and more. I mean, you've even seen some of these lawsuits or some of the hot water that Facebook has been in, in relation to teenagers and preteens. I think music has the same effects. And I think that some music, not just anyone from any age should be listening to it. Not just because of an explicit word. I'm even talking about just the subject matter might be a bit too much for a child or or the attitude music and again even if we remove words even if we remove lyrics i do feel as though a a, a major chord lifts me up yes i do feel as though a minor chord creates a sense of intrigue or doom oh, it, it's unsettling i do feel as though if you conclude a song without returning to the root, mm -hmm. it feels incomplete. Mm -hmm. So even without words, yeah. But, but in terms of being a manipulator. To be fair, I think it's definitely been used. And of course, you know, I, if we're Christians, but there are obviously people out there who are pagans or of the occult. Yeah. Um, and much love to those people if they are and are listening. Yeah. But it's clear, you know, where we stand on certain things. And I'm not going to just go and join those groups and their ideologies. I, I love those people. I completely disagree with their ideologies. And I find it dangerous. But to be fair, not all of them, but there's no doubt in my mind that groups like those have used music to get into a particular mindset. And they still do. But th it happens today. But... But that's that's not altogether bad. For example, even so David, King David. King David taught the Levites worship through music. Okay. King David, I I can't think of the verse right now. I think about it often. If I find it, I'll I'll get it to you. But I've read where King David made instruments. And when you make an instrument, right? whether it be a piano or a bass 
whether it be um, a reed instrument, whatever it is, you're, you're wanting to produce a certain sound for the purpose of eliciting a certain response. So when he made instruments and when he taught worship and when he himself wrote songs, Psalm of David, right? Yeah, he, he was wanting a response. Now, to call that manipulation, um, I don't know. That's a strong word. I don't think all music is manipulation, though. Okay. Okay, maybe that's where we got off on the wrong foot. Um, no, I'm not. By no means am I saying all music is necessarily manipulative in nature. Got it. Oh, but it's definitely used for that. People that's will. what I, that's what I'm saying. I, People will. There's no doubt in my mind and heart that music is used for hypnosis. Yeah. We all know that repetition yes. is a is a facet of yes. hypnosis. Yes. And if you you know you could you could do some research on the web too on this, but music, uh, you know, and repetition. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's true. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I'm just saying somewhere out there, are, I know that there have been some weirdo guys and girls who those definitely. Are words, but those are words. At, Yes, yes. So you, so you can chant things with music yeah, or and not. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at. But to be fair, okay, I get what you're saying. You're saying, oh, is this no evil? That one, I got to be honest, I used to say no. I'm kind of now neutral to that. But I wouldn't be surprised if I went back to the camp of no, I don't think so. As a guess, if I could take a side, I don't really think inherently music is bad. I don't think so. No, I'm, I'm just saying it's definitely been used for evil purposes. Yeah, and yeah. and I, you could definitely put something in music. With a bad with a bad spirit. Like, for instance, people bless music all the time. They'll pray, like, oh God, you know, we pray about this. But there are people who also curse in music. They curse the music. And I'm just saying. One of the biggest criticisms against Prince Rogers Nelson from Minneapolis is his music was I know hi- hi- that highly, too. <laughs> hi- highly sexual. Highly sexual. Yes. And the thing about it, the thing about him and people like him, because he's not the only one. I mean, even later on in Michael Jackson's career, yeah. He he got a little sexual. <laughs> Madonna, like a virgin. We talk about secular music on his podcast, and and I kind of want to make that clear. And, and I know that not a lot of Christians like that, and that's that's fair. Um, I kind of consider secular music to be a bit like alcohol. I was totally sheltered as a child, and as I got older, you know, I was I, like I didn't even listen to Nirvana until I was like eighteen. Got it. And I can't listen to too much at a time because my spirit and and my mindset. I actually one hundred percent believe that. Nirvana has a negative spiritual effect on me. Okay. And I know not everyone's going to agree with that, but I've definitely fasted from them. I've listened to them and I fasted. And I'm in this place where I'll tell you outright, Nirvana's one of my favorite bands. It's true. They are. Yeah. But I have to be careful with them because it's like Coldplay. I listen to Coldplay. I, dude, I'm depressed. And I love Coldplay. They're also one of my favorite bands, but I have to monitor how much I consume some of these bands. When I became a Christian, I fasted from music. I stopped listening to music, which was, it it wasn't a burden because I became so immersed in the word of God. I began to just read, read. Um, I went to Bible college, seminary, and I realized that I I can't, I, I don't want even the music of my youth even though I was raised on Motown and I was raised on Prince and all these, I didn't want that in my spirit because what I was getting from God's word did again, going back to some of the music was so sexual and it, it, mm, if you allow it, it can create within you some urges that really don't grow you spiritually. Right. 
The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter four. So in light of that, I just kind of stepped away from music until, believe it or not, until I heard Hillsong. Because at that time, Christian music, if I can call Christian music, it didn't it didn't do much for me. But when I heard Hillsong. Or Keith Green. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't hear him. I didn't hear him. I, I know a lot of men did. And I have some friends who love Keith Green, but I didn't, I don't remember him, but I remember Hillsong. And I remember Darlene Sheck singing, uh, Show Me Your Ways. Or um, Shout to the Lord. And it was bluesy. Mm. It was powerful. It was soulful. I think it's fascinating. I love the subject of music. I love, again, I, as a minister, as a Christian, I, I find that music should be the expression of what's happening within you. Now, to your point, you brought up Nirvana. Sometimes the things that are happening within a person are, are, are harmful. And they make other people feel on edge and they make other people feel challenged and, and uh, you know, in danger and, and so on and so forth. Music, yeah, music can do that. Uh, or if someone wants to rejoice. I don't know if my, my depression is severe, but it's pretty relentless. And yeah, I've definitely been pretty heavily affected by the music I listen to. And so I, I have to be careful with that. Again, it's like alcohol. I had to just be very careful how much I consume maybe at a time. And I think, you know, you know, the Bible talks about using discernment. And while I'm not going to just outright say you should just sin or do whatever you want. Yeah. But I do believe there are liberties. And I don't think you're going <laughs> to go to hell for listening to Nirvana. I think you should just exercise some discernment when listening to a lot of these artists. That's all I'm well going to say. Said. I think is, uh, for me, I limit my diet of secular music. And I would be mindful in the future if I had children, what I played around them. When my kids were growing up, they didn't know who Prince was. And that's going to sound to some people. To some people listening, they may say, why not? And I would say this because... So you did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. Yeah. Because as much as me as a kid... So for example, my I saw the Purple Rain tour when I was 14 at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Okay. I would never let my kids go there. Mm. I saw... I, I won't say her name, but the one who was with him, the one who opened for him, touching men in places where she shouldn't have been. I was 14. Mm. Now, I wasn't in church. I, I wasn't a practicing Christian. I believed in God. I believed in Christ, but I didn't go to church. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't study. I wasn't a youth group. There was none of that for me. Right. So we lived a secular life and that secular life produced something within me that was not very helpful. So for my kids, there's no way I would let them. They're grown now, but there was no way I'd let them be exposed to that type of thing. So I agree with you. I think you have to be very careful. Even as an adult, I limit my diet of that I love Steve. So you do the same. Yeah. I love Steve Perry's voice. <laughs> right. I love Steve Perry's right. voice. He has an amazing voice. My goodness. I love, <laughs> and I love music, but that cannot be my life. Christ is my life. And you got to be careful with some of these things. Well, God bless you, man. You know, Thanks it's really having cool having show. you. Yeah. It's been cool to get to know you and the, the audience gets to know you and you'll be back. Lord willing, right? I'll be back. Lord willing. Yeah. All right, guys, that wraps up today's episode. We'll be with you uh, in the future. We have such a crazy schedule, so we honestly don't really know who's next. 
But um, in the future, we will try our best to get a more concrete schedule going. But for now, it will be a mystery. Um, but we'll have Keith or Sean, we'll never know, or both. Lord bless you all. Thank you for having me. Later, guys. You guys have a good day and peace. <laughs>